0: It's been another momentous 24 hours in Australian politics.
1: In the leadership, was contested by Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott. Malcolm Turnbull was successful on 54, Tony Abbott 44.
0: This time yesterday, Tony Abbott was Prime Minister, confidently dismissing leadership speculation. Today, the nation is waiting for him to officially resign to the Governor-General after he was ousted by Malcolm Turnbull. We're three days out from the Canning by-election and the nation's interest has turned from viewing Saturday as a poll on Tony Abbott to being a poll on our new Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. How has the polling changed since the weekend, Bill?
2: It is very early days yet, although as I speak, we have had the first national opinion poll of voting intention under Malcolm Turnbull, and it has come in at 50-50 after this particular pollster, Rex for the Seven Network, was rock solid in having it 54-46 in favour of Labor during the declining period of Tony Abbott's prime ministership. So uh, that's you know an immediate four percent shift in favour of Malcolm Turnbull as sugar rushes go. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that that's not bigger. It's uh, it probably is a little bit less than when Kevin Rudd became leader again in uh, mid 2013. Uh, Gillard went from being about 55-45 behind to you know 50-50. We'll want to see more than one poll and uh, we'll probably want that poll to have been conducted a a few days later after the dust has had time to settle. But uh, so far I I think the the, the poll that we've seen is consistent with a general kind of reaction of relief and perhaps not quite yet the euphoria that you might have expected given that a person of Malcolm Turnbull's popularity is now in the position.
0: The first test for the new Prime Minister will be whether he can stave off a disastrous result for his party in this weekend's canning by-election in WA. And for the by-election itself, there were predictions in Fairfax-Ipsos of a uh, 10% swing towards Labor on a two-party preferred basis. That was over the weekend. What are you thinking it might likely look like now?
2: The million dollar question is, okay, we're getting that Honeymoon rush to Malcolm Turnbull to the Liberal Party. Now that now that the poison has been drawn with respect to Tony Abbott Prime Minister, are the by-election dynamics the same as the opinion poll dynamics? does that automatically transform the Liberal Party situation into a 5% improvement in Canning? Or is there a different atmosphere in respect to the by-election? I think a lot of people in Canning might feel a little bit insulted that this has been sprung on them a week out from the by-election and that, you know, the the Canning's moment in the sun where the whole nation has been looking upon them and waiting to check their pulse... They've sort of now been told. Well, it turned out you didn't matter as much as you've been told that you have. Oh, so, well, you
0: mattered so much that the leader fell before you even voted.
2: Indeed, you know they probably felt that they were, you know, quite a, quite a few people. You know, there's so much going on in Canning that it's difficult to read. But one of the one of the factors in play might have been that okay, we the neglected and ignored voters of Canning really are being given given an opportunity to cast our verdict on the prime ministership here. And now that that's been preempted, it may be that the voters of Canning are in a crankier mindset. And just simply that the, the process of going to vote in a by-election it puts the voter in a different position, a very different position to how they are in an opinion poll, when they're being asked to reel off the top of their head what they think about how they'd vote today. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got to bear in mind that when an opinion poll respondent gets a call... This is the first time on the spot that they've been required to consider this matter. You know, quite a large proportion, probably the majority, just like, you know, I vote Labour, I vote Liberal, that's all there is to it. But there is a big minority who are like, oh, how would I vote in an election? Well, here's the first occasion I've had to think about that. It's a very different position to be in to what the voters of Canning are in, where they've spent the last four weeks weighing this up and being pitched at and considering all the various ifs. So uh, I tend to think that the canning voters are going to be stickier than opinion poll respondents. They have been spending the last three weeks chewing up their voting intention. They're going to be less inclined to just snap from one thing to the other than a opinion poll sample of random respondents would. Having said that, I think that, to a lesser extent, we are going to see a little bit of that factor flow through, that, you know, simply, you know, the Liberal Party has gone from having an unpopular leader to a very popular one. I don't see how that can fail to transfer into a favourable movement to them, notwithstanding that there's a little bit of negativity in there as well. So my feeling is, simply any poll conducted for Canning, all of them in other words, before Tuesday... Uh, you know, in the waste paper bin now. We, we really need to see fresh polling from Canning, or we can just wait until Saturday and see what the result is, to uh, understand what the, what the dynamics are in respect to the by-election campaign. My guess is the Liberals were hanging on, now they're going to get a more comfortable win.
1: People have tried to attack me on my military record, during this campaign, and I've defended my record as I believe I've served my country with honor, dedication, and commitment. But today, I have some questions to answer about my religion. I'm an Anglican, and I make no apologies for that.
0: So, in fact, Because of all the attention on the national leadership, Andrew Hastings has had a pretty easy ride. He's the Liberal candidate. But he did have a bump in the middle of the campaign when he um, refused to deny he was a creationist. How important do you think that has been?
2: Uh, I don't think it is important. In this particular electorate, uh, it's not the kind of electorate that sort of has a negative reaction to uh, people who have religious beliefs, even if, you know the people aren't directly religious themselves. You know, in a electorate where you have uh, more people who are tertiary educated, more people who are professionals, these are the sorts of demographics that are missing from the canning electorate. Who And therefore, you know, I don't think same-sex marriage is terribly important in this kind of area. It's not that kind of what we say in political science, post-materialist voters who are concerned with... Things that are do with personal expression, with religious beliefs, with you know the need to have someone who is who is a rationalist rather than than a religious person. That there are certain electorates and certain types of voter who that can play with. They aren't the kind of voters you get in Canning, so uh, I I don't think it's an issue. I don't think it does him any harm. I don't think it does any much good either, because obviously anyone who's going to respond favourably towards, you know, being a conservative Christian type of person, they've got that vote already anyway.
0: So the minority parties haven't really been able to get any oxygen during the campaign. Can you tell us about preference deals that might have been made?
2: This is never going to be a good electorate for the Greens. Uh, They got about 8% of the vote from memory at the last election, and polling has had them gaining a percentage point or two on top of that, which is pretty feeble for a by-election when it's a good opportunity for voters to give their vent against anti-major party sentiment. You know, it can be very favourable ground. But it's not surprising me at all that Canning isn't responding to the Greens in this way. I can point you to a lot of state by-elections where, you know, the Greens vote in these generally sort of blue-collar Labour sort of seats. You know, the Greens will have, you'd think, a good opportunity there to make hay, but they just don't have any purchase at all on these sorts of electorates which are located at the urban fringe. Whereas, you know, we're seeing the Greens make breakthroughs. We've been hearing reports that the Liberals are really worried that the Greens might win the seat of Higgins, which is a really blue-ribbon seat. It was held by John Gorton, Harold Holt, Peter Costello, and now Kelly O'Dwyer. But this is a really different area Mm. Canning, which is, you know, it's the classic old money, blue, liberal, high income electorate where the people who are living there are high income because they're professionals. Whereas, you know, if people in Canning are on a good income, then they are, you know, I don't want to be pejorative about this, but they're the McMansion dwelling kind of class of Howard's winners. The Liberal Party are in no threat from the Greens on this sort of base. So that takes care of the Greens. As well as that, though, we have also seen, and we are continuing to see, the anti-major party vote being captured by populist sort of agitators of the Clive Palmer variety. There is a latent capacity for that sentiment to get activated, and it really caught fire at the Senate pre-run election in 2014, and it caught run to a large extent with Clive Palmer's strong performance around the nation at the 2013 election. It doesn't seem to have been happening this time. It might have happened under different circumstances. If Clive Palmer was a fresh new phenomenon running his massive advertising blitz, then I really do think that we could have seen him gaining traction. But essentially it didn't happen because it didn't happen. You know, Clive Palmer's a spent force now. I think he's lost his credibility. He's put a little bit more effort into this by-election campaign, interestingly, than he did to recent state elections, Mm. but it doesn't seem to have been catalyzing for him. So what we have seen is a a by-election campaign that's really been very heavily focused on the two parties and the two candidates in particular, and the the potential that was there for a minor party campaign to gain traction hasn't occurred. So the second part of the question you asked was, what does this mean for preferences? It means that it is a diminished factor. You know, I I don't think that the the non-major party vote is going to increase much. So there's nothing radical that has changed in terms of the micro-party landscape since the 2013 election.
0: So last time we spoke, Labor at the state level had just relaunched Metronet. Then Matt Keogh ran with that and, um, in particular, was out there campaigning for an extension of the rail to Bifur. What do you think of that policy?
2: It's the, probably the, the strongest card that Labor have had to play in terms of their local campaign. My overall assessment of the Labor campaign is that the Liberal Party has been outplaying Labor. But on that issue, I think that was a good technical gambit by Labor because it's the one thing that the previous state Labor government that was in power from 2001 to 2008 is remembered fondly for is building the Perth to Mandra railway. And Mandra is, you know, one of the focal points of this very electorate. So that's. If Labor are going to be able to move the agenda onto issues that are favourable to them, that's a goal waiting waiting to be kicked by them. And uh, I, I think it is the one occasion where Labor have come up with a strong locally oriented selling point that's going to stand them in good stead. Generally speaking, though, I think it's the Liberal Party who have done the better job of localising the campaign.
0: They've certainly spent a lot more money. What have they been campaigning on?
2: They have been campaigning, well, like Labor, they've been campaigning on quote-unquote local issues, which really means state issues.
1: Look, I'm, I'm very busy on the ground. I don't have time to take counsel from the East Coast Um There's a significant disconnect between what people are saying over East and what's happening here in Canning. People of Canning are concerned about jobs, um, the problem of ICE, and infrastructure and so I'm focused on the ground game here and uh, Tanya Plibersek was uh, somewhat correct yesterday when she said um, the people of Canning are fiercely independent and so they don't want interference from Canberra or anyone else, this is about them.
2: Andrew Hasty keeps wanting to talk about the ice epidemic, he keeps wanting to talk about law and order. There's the the China Free Trade Agreement. That's a sort of, you know, interesting issue. It's in the mix, so let's not be too dogmatic here. But a lot of the Liberal Party campaign is, let's make this as local as we can. Let's make it oriented on bread and butter local community issues and the calibre of the two candidates and who you want representing you in the parliament to take everything away from all of the things that have been destroying the, the Liberal government, which is the unpopularity of Tony Abbott, the, you know the the disaster of the 2014 budget and all the all the various things that have you know led to the leadership change earlier this week, they I think did a very strong job of making the conversation surrounding the by-election things which the Liberal party can potentially win on and uh, it's it has actually surprised me the extent to which the electorate the, the, this campaign has been about the candidates. Now, they could have selected someone a lot blander, who you know has a less clear identifiable image within the public mind, and then the void would have been filled by all of the national level issues that would have communicated to the bite to, to the voters in Canning. Well, here's a referendum on Tony Abbott slash the federal government. Here's your opportunity to bring out the baseball back. I think the Liberal Party have really done a good job of making people not perceive the by-election that way, but make them think about, you know, the candidates and, you know, a basis on which people might make the decision to vote Liberal.
0: So, Matt Keogh, it was a difficult task to get up anyway. How's he performed and do you think he'll be back?
2: I think he probably will be back, but I don't want to be too critical on Matt with Matt Keogh, but he's probably the kind of thing that I had in mind when I just said that if the Liberal Party had presented a blander candidate to the electorate, you know, Matt Keogh might have a very good political career ahead of him. But for the time being, he kind of looks, feels and sounds like a member of the political class. And uh, I think Julie Bishop had a, an amusing line when he called him a hipster lawyer. And as well as that, I don't think that Matt Keogh has been able to present a narrative of himself, of who he is. You know, there's no story surrounding Matt Keogh, mm-hmm. whereas there is a really clear and potent story surrounding Andrew Hastings. It might not be to everyone's tastes. You know, there will be people who will react against him appearing to be a Christian conservative. But nonetheless, the story's out there. Matt Keogh just looks a little bit like another political operative, and I I think he's lost that battle. If the opportunity was there in the by-election campaign, which it may not have been for him to reverse that impression, then I, I think he's failed to turn that around.
0: The other big political question we'll be facing this weekend is who's going to be in and who's going to be out of Turnbull's cabinet. How do you think Western Australia's parliamentarians are going to fare?
2: Uh, It's an interesting question because the Liberal Party in Western Australia really punches above its weight because it won so many seats at the last election. I think they would have 18 Western Australian parliamentarians out of that party room, out of 100, which is well out of proportion to the, the share of population. Almost double. Indeed, and that was reflected at first in Tony Abbott's government in that there were three Western Australians in Cabinet positions, but since then we've seen uh, David Johnston got demoted from the Defence Ministry. So the question is, does Western Australia get refunded for the Cabinet position it lost when that occurred? I think if that's the case, the most likely scenario uh, that I can see is that Michaelia Cash, who is currently a junior minister, gets promoted into cabinet. She's been an extremely strong performer and I believe there's been talk of her taking over immigration. Do you wanna talk
1: about exceeding the decibels? I wonder how loud former Prime Minister Gillard screamed
2: when her own sisterhood knifed her in the back and took her out. Lord, Order. Now sitting, Order. Reaping the spoils of the victory, drinking from the chalice of blood. Her own sisterhood
1: took her out.
2: The other junior minister from Western Australia is Michael Keenan. He is interesting in that he was long a Turnbull loyalist during the years in opposition. He got promoted to the Shadow Cabinet under Turnbull's leadership, and then he got demoted back down to the Junior Shadow Ministry when Tony Abbott became the leader. So his career trajectory very nicely shadowed Malcolm Turnbull's. As are people who, you know, have a loyalty to a particular party uh, figurehead often do. So the question might be now that Malcolm turn- Turnbull's back in the job, does he get promoted again? I wouldn't think so, though, because. There are a lot of people who are knocking on the door for a cabinet promotion, probably too many. That was one of Tony Abbott's many failings. I don't think he he, he didn't do enough to refresh the cabinet and to, you know, throw the lifeline open to ambitious people and to give them a leg up. So there are, there, there are probably too many people clamouring. ...for Michael Keenan to get a look in and I think Michaelia Cash has left the stronger stronger impression out of those two people. The other rising figure within the Liberal Party is Christian Porter. He was promoted to Parliamentary Secretary in the end of 2014... ...and of course he was a very senior figure in the state government... ...before he made the switch to federal politics at the 2013 election... But uh, given, as I said, all of the uh, people who are clamouring for a position, uh, I think it might be a bit too much for Christian Porter to hope that at this early stage he's going to go two spots above the ladder. But uh, maybe he will get a position in the junior ministry, uh, filling the Western Australian vacancy, perhaps, that gets created by Michaelia Cash getting promoted into the actual cabinet, if indeed that's what happens.
0: Well, thank you very much for today.
2: Great pleasure.